You're listening to The Ultimate Creative, a podcast for content creators. I'm your host, Emily Milling. I am a multi-passionate, multi-hyphenate entrepreneur, comedian, podcaster, musician, filmmaker, you name it. If it's creative and it has something to do with business, I'm probably in on it. If you're looking for a way to earn money through your creative passions, or if you need help finding your creative side, you are in the right place. Welcome to another episode of the Ultimate Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Milling, and today I have a brand new setup. Why? Because I'm sitting in someone else's office, in someone else's studio, IRL. I have a guest today. He just happens to be the love of my life, the only person I've seen in person in a long time. That's not true. You went to some shops just a few days ago. I went to shops, but I have not recorded a podcast episode and like yelled into somebody else's mouth. And anyway, I have the love of my life with me today. Justin DeClue. Yay! The love of my life. Yay! I'm so excited because you were on my podcast like way back when it started. And I was like so nervous to interview you, even though like... I'm a very imposing figure, as people can hear on this podcast. You know, the podcast that I do, I'm like fun loving and I'm a jokey guy. But in real life, I'm like granite, just stone faced all the time. Well, and that's what I was hoping for today, for you to be granite and stone faced. And Mm -hmm. so with that, my first question is, if you could be any sort of stone surface, what would you be? Is it granite or is it more of a marble texture? Marble. Marble feels much nicer than granite, right? Granite is kind of like prickly or not prickly, but like prickly. Yeah. Rough. Prickly. granite yeah you know cactus granite aren't you in the know when it comes to stone rock surfaces yes i know everything about the great canadian shield so justin let's do a check-in last time you were here you weren't like a full year into your business gold ninja video and you've since launched yet another podcast i believe about star wars or star wars adjacent something or other so give us a rundown of what is new with your business with your podcast Tell us everything. Well, the business when it comes to Blu-ray stuff has pretty much stayed the same. I've upped the number of copies that I make just because I was running out of stock. And so the print one would be done. Because for people who don't know, Gold Ninja Video, I do limited edition Blu-rays. And if I run out of stock and people keep messaging me, hey, 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 do you have more? Do you have more? That is not good. (laughs) So I try to have enough that it feels limited and it will run out. And I can still get it to people that want it. And I am moving to bigger and better things. We're going to start uh, scanning film prints of stuff, which I'm really excited about. And as far as the other new podcast that I started, uh, the Star Wars podcast is mostly just something for me and my pals that we can just hang out due to the pandemic, which we couldn't do, and talk about something that one of my friends has always wanted to talk about. But me and uh, another friend, Matthew Kumar, we uh, never wanted to watch, but now we do it in podcast form. We can make fun of him on it. So that's good. <laughs> I mean, that's enjoyable. And you're still doing the Bay Street Video podcast. You're still doing No Such Thing as a Bad Movie. And of course, The Important Cinema Club. That's right. The classic podcast about cinema. The Trinity. The The podcast Trinity. Yes. Okay. And so today, I wanted to have you on also to talk about why it's so hard to be creative sometimes, because I know we both struggle with this from time to time. And then there are other times when we're super prolific. So my first question on this topic is... What happens when you realize that creativity is not coming to you as easily as you want it to? 
Ooh, like, how do I get over it? I don't know. I feel sad about it for a while. And then I probably consume stuff that I like, hoping that that stuff will inspire me, whether that be movies or books. And then when I really like something, I go, Ooh, I want to do something like this. And that uh, leads me to it. I mean, that's an easy answer. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes it's a long process, but that's usually the way that I go about it. Well, I mean, yeah, get, let's get into that long process. Cause I kind of feel that too. I just came through, I think like, a two and a half week period of like absolute creativity drought. I was feeling depressed. I was feeling angry and sad. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that like we got our vaccines and then still couldn't do anything. And it just felt so stifling. And like for me, what happens is I get angry at myself that I can't make my brain be creative. Do you ever have that? I don't know if I get angry at myself. I think I get frustrated sometimes because, like, making movies is what I really want to do, and I feel like I don't do that enough. And I think about it all the time, too, when I go to bed, when I wake up in the morning, between pauses of things. But as human beings, I think we tend to distract ourselves very easily and just do something else. And you go, oh, I need to have the perfect moment in my day to get to this mm-hmm. thing. So I'll put it off, and then you know, months pass, and you never actually get to it because it was never the perfect moment to work on it. Yeah, there is a lot about that, like waiting for the perfect moment, waiting for the spirit to move you. And like, sometimes I'll push myself to be like, I must have a minimum of 15 hours spent on comedy per week or 15 hours on 15 hours. Yeah, like it's in my calendar, too, or like 15 hours a week on specifically creating content for the ultimate creative or whatever it is, because I'm like, I just got to like plow through it. Obviously, it doesn't happen every single time. But if I don't hold myself accountable to like some sort of hourly quota, that's just how my brain works. And then, and then I actually get stuff done. But the other thing, like, that I think is a tip off for me when I'm not feeling super creative or I'm like, I really, I need something else to inspire me is when I start doing really mundane tasks. Like, I'll go into all of my accounting software and I'll like categorize everything and then recategorize all of my transactions. And I know sometimes, you kind of face this too when you're like, you have to do something creative for your Blu-rays, but instead I hear you working the paper cutter, like cutting out the, the covers for your Blu-rays that you're, you're manufacturing. Cause like for the listener, Justin does everything from this office. He literally manufactures the discs here in the office. So sometimes I'll catch you doing that kind of stuff. And it's sort of like a, just a way to keep feeling productive, even though you can't be creative in the moment. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, the manufacturing of the stuff I usually do just to get it out of the way. And also so I don't get caught when I have to send some stuff or I ran out of Blu-rays. I make them manufactured on demand, basically, like, so I have enough in stock that it doesn't take up too much room. And when people order, I can just throw it in a package and I always make sure that I'm topped up. And so the reason I do that is we do not have enough space in the apartment to for me to order a thousand and Blu-rays that may then not sell for a year. So I would just have boxes laying out all over the place. And the cutting of the Blu-rays, yeah, it's something I do because I can listen to a podcast or watch a movie while it's happening. It doesn't really take that long, and my arm usually gets pretty tired, but it is something that can fill the time when you're supposed to be doing something else, and you're like, oh, but I also have to do this task. Yeah, I must get to this thing because it's just so important, even though it could happen at a later time. I mean, yeah, you know, there's always, like, things that we can use to distract ourselves from the reality, the crushing reality sometimes that is like, you know what? My brain's not doing stuff today. Mm. And I just kind of got to let that go. I had to do that. Like I said, for the last couple of weeks, I had to let it go. And then all of a sudden over the weekend, we had a very prolific, collaborative, creative time. So my next question is actually about that. Like, 
the value of being creative with a collaborator. So we shot and edited three new sketches about a character named No Luck Chuck, who gets mm. killed by a gorilla at the end of every scene in very bizarre ways. I will link to that in the show notes when the sketches actually come out, because they're going to come out after this episode airs. But so I know you were in a bit of a creative dry spell with your work right now on this particular disc that you're working on. So what do you think the impact of working on a super low pressure project this weekend was for you, if at all? Or maybe it wasn't. Maybe working with collaborators makes your brain work work worse. No, collaborators are essential. Uh, in terms of the project that we did this weekend, it was nice to do something and then to have it done. Uh, it only took an hour. So that's nice to do something different. And... I, everything that I do has collaborators. So all the podcasts that I do, uh, you know, I host movies. I do it with Peter Kaplowski. I've written a book by myself, but even then that's not fun. It's always fun when you do it with um, somebody else. I was there the whole time for the record. Yeah. I, I mean, I wrote the book by myself that's and true. you did all the layout. I did so all the layout. Pretty much. So much laying out. But like, you can't really do anything by yourself and finish it. I mean, maybe some people can. I don't feel that way that you get like satisfaction when you're done to hand it over and be like, aha, it's done. Man, I feel great. Usually you want to do it um, with somebody else. Like even editing podcasts, I've edited thousands and thousands of them, and I still dread it every time. The recording of it is fun because you can always bounce off somebody else, but editing is a lonely endeavor. And then when you hand it and then you just post it and it's done and you share it on socials and then you move on unless you made a mistake and then you have to go back and fix it. That's very true. I think there's a lot of value in working with collaborators. I think sometimes too, like if you're not super comfortable with the people that you're collaborating with, it becomes very easy to self-edit and that can kind of lead down a path of like, oh, maybe this isn't actually as good as I thought it was oh, going to yeah, be definitely. or like put an idea out there, but it's not as well received because the people that are with you aren't in your brain and you've they're joining you like halfway through a regular scheduled program already in progress. That's what it is. A program already in progress. And so like that that collaborative piece, like you really have to be able to trust the person that you're collaborating with. It took us a long time to get to a point where we were like having fun doing very low pressure collaborative things because we have collaborated on so many things throughout our very long, many number of years together. Oh, we're ancient lovers at this point. What do you do when you are totally tapped out for creative ideas? Well, even before I answer that question, I think that like collaboration is something that's important. I just thought of it while you were talking and it's something that takes a while to figure out is like delineation of like what are the responsibilities of people collaborating. Mm. I've always found when like it's 50-50 and both people are equally invested in what's going on, it's very difficult to collaborate on something. So for example, some of the podcasts I do, one of the deals I made with the people that I do it with was like, I don't want to edit it. Like, I don't want any of that responsibility. Like, I'll show up, I'll record, and then you do it. If you need me to post it, I can do that as well. But, like, it's a lot less pressure on your back. Same thing with, like, creative of movie projects. If you just show up and you have all the ideas and you're ready to go and the other person can share ideas, but you're not, they're not competing with you. Like, you have two completely different things. Um, that's the best way to do it. Like, oh, I'm showing up and I'll record with you. We'll do whatever you want. We have fun. We collaborate on set, but it's not like I'm involved 100% in everything that you're doing. I think that's a very destructive thing. And with me and you, I think that the best way we figured out how to work is like you, uh, we delineate stuff. Like when you were doing the music, I don't hover over your shoulder offering advice the entire time. I just offer advice at the beginning, give you a general idea, and then you come to me with something completed and you give it to me. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I understand, instead of trying to be involved creatively the entire way. And you're talking, of course, about when I was doing the music for our film, Impossible Horror, mm -hmm. which I will get to a little bit later. But okay, so back to the question, 
What do you like to do when you're totally tapped out for creative ideas? What is like, what is your go-to thing that you do to start getting your creative juices flowing again? Go lay in bed and feel sad, watch a movie, and then fall asleep. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. There's no real solution. Like, I jump on the treadmill, and then I go through all the ideas, and I put up the papers in front of me, and I concentrate. Nah, that's not really any solution. It just eventually comes to me later on. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's a realistic way to look at it, because I, I personally feel so deflated, and like, I'm a total failure if I go lie down in bed and fall asleep, whereas that totally helps you. Oh, Maybe no, I not me. Maybe page out of your book. Well, I don't know if it helps me that I fall asleep, then I wake up to go to the next thing, but that's what I do usually. Hey, you know what? If it works, it works. That's fine. And then when you're in a particularly prolific period of creativity, what are some of the routines and rituals that keep you there and keep you going? I, the thing that I've learned is I like to make lists and plan out days and then not follow them. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't really have any specific plan. Every time I'm like, I'll do this much amount of time before lunch and then after lunch, I'll do this. I once broke down my day in like literal hours of how it's going to work. It never even lasts the entire day. I don't know how to get it to work. I just... Uh, go with the flow, man. And when I start something, I try to complete it usually within that day. I don't want it to drag on too long because otherwise it uh, grows in stature in your mind and it seems much more difficult than it is to complete. Like I was just editing something before we started recording and I was playing around with it, adding a bunch of stuff. And I realized, okay, I got to go back to the beginning and I got to go beat by beat through this to be able to get to the end or I'll just be noodling around all over the place with it. Just start at A, go to Z, and then you can go back, watch it. You have the structure. It's like rewriting, right? Writing is rewriting. As long as you get something down on paper, then you can go back and fix it. Yeah. I mean, I'm totally the opposite because that calendar blocking and like specific numbers of hours to do things really, really helps me to keep going with my creativity. And I think like I was talking to you about this yesterday when we were going out for a walk as lovely couples do when there's nothing else to do. I was talking about how I really need to have like a separation between like my work day and then specific creative things that I'm doing because I think like it puts me in a completely different headspace. So I need that like specific hour blocked off for that kind of thing as well. The other thing that I think was helpful for me that is very different from what you've just described is like breaking down big projects into smaller tasks, but that have the same outcome that you described. So like finishing something from A to Z that is just a portion of what the big overall project is. So even if it's just working on something for an hour, like I know I'm going to edit this episode for an hour, and then tomorrow I'm going to do something else related to it for an hour. And then that way it's not like super overwhelming and all encompassing of like, this is my whole day. I have to do all of it because I really need that variation no, to keep the I, I agree going. with you. I don't think that you should look at the totality of a project. I think you do need to kind of like break it up into pieces and know that like, you know, once you do this piece, once you do that piece, once you do this last piece, it'll be done. Because like I've done projects where I'm like, I have three Blu-rays that I have to finish. This will never get done. And then it gets done because you just chip at it every day and then eventually it's done. I mean, we live in a society. We live in a society <laughs> where... Uh, you know, you think you have to do something instantly and then put it out in the world. And that seems really, um, I don't know, daunting. So you just have to figure out how you can get through it, knowing that if you keep working at it, eventually it'll be done. And then you can move on to the next thing. Okay, so speaking of things that eventually get done, what do you do when you've been working on a massive project that demands more creative brain power than you've ever had before, but you're up against like bajillions of external challenges. And I am talking about impossible horror, which I alluded to earlier. How do you get comfortable with creativity again after like so much big, massive creative output? 
I mean, you just chip away at it, right? Like you do a little bit each day and then you're eventually done. And that's a really like high wire uh, act to walk because you want to make sure that you're not working on something forever and it goes mm-hmm. on and on and on because you can just noodle with stuff. You need to be moving like toward a direction of finishing it by doing a little piece here, a little piece there and not get caught up with like, okay, well, now I know more. I'm going to go back and fix it. It's like, no, 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 just get it done. Finish it, put it out in the world, try not to think about it too much again and move on to the next thing, which will be better, of course. Exactly, because of all the things that you learned. I mean, the first the first soundtrack that I wrote for, what was it, Personal Space Invader? Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty awful compared to what I wrote for Impossible Horror. So, you know, you learn the things as you go, but it's so important, like you said, like, don't go back and fix it and make it so perfect because it'll never be perfect. And if you're thinking of like legacy or the totality of your work, just remember that no one cares. No one's going to think about all that stuff. Like it'll be there. They can go listen to it. And you don't need to be perfect out of the gate. You don't even need to be perfect when you're done and you pass away from this mortal coil. You just keep working at it. And if you think it's getting better, if you think that you're learning, that's all that really matters at the end of the day. And this is coming from somebody who has has made a career out of studying the bodies of work of many cinematic giants. And so, you know, I think maybe what you're trying to say is it's not that nobody cares. I think people care. I think they're just going to find more interesting things that are unique and creative to you, my dear, lovely, wonderful listener. Well, I think that when I say nobody cares, I mean that you know, people will care when you do good stuff. They won't care really when you do bad stuff. They'll just move on to the next thing. Yeah. Like it's not going to haunt them or anything <laughs> like that. It's like, um, there's like a madman line where somebody, um, tells a character, Oh, you know, I've been thinking about you about this and that, you know, it's been haunting me. And then, you know, the other character goes, well, I didn't think about you at all. <laughs> and that's really the way that you have to go through life at a certain point that like the people that you care about that will like your stuff, they'll be there. You'll have your own support circle. You'll probably make fans as you go along, but don't worry too much about the stuff that doesn't work because that gets forgotten. Maybe you learned a lesson in it and you can move on. And that's really all that's important uh, when you do that kind of stuff. Oh my gosh, it's so good. That will be the soundbite for this episode because now I'm going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for being here, Justin. Now tell us all of the places where we can find you and what else you are plugging right now. You can check out my podcast, The Important Cinema Club. Uh, just search it in Google. Uh, it'll come up as the first thing. You can also check out my YouTube channel, Film Trap. And yeah, uh, and filmtrap.com as well, where I collect all of the stuff that I do. So you can see all the other podcasts and the other stuff that Emily mentions throughout this podcast. Oh, and goldninjavideo.com. You have money, you want to buy some Blu-rays? Go there. Buy them. Thank you. And justindeclue.com. And also make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Why are you making that face? I made you that website years ago. Is justindeclue.com still active? I don't yeah. think I visited in ages. Where does it go? It goes to the website that I made you. I'm going to have to check it after this because I thought that had disappeared a long time ago. No, I made you a website on the train one time. Anyway, also subscribe to our YouTube channel, Pineapple Skeleton. I will also link to that and you can watch the new No Luck Chuck series and see how a gorilla kills No Luck Chuck. That's it for this episode. If you enjoyed that, please remember to rate, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts. It's no longer subscribed. For those of you who are listening who are podcast people, make sure you are updating your intros and outros with follow instead of subscribe. That's the podcast gem I'm leaving with you today. Thanks, bye! Oh yeah, I do have a website. Thanks for listening to The Ultimate Creative. 
If you heard something today that helped you get one step closer to building your super awesome dreams, I would love it if you shared a rating and written review on Apple Podcasts. That helps more people just like you that want to break into their passions and build a life they love with creativity and entrepreneurship. And if you know someone that needs a boost of inspiration and this episode will help, please share it and spread the love. I truly believe that the more we encourage each other to take steps towards building our dreams, the better our lives will be and the happier we will become. Pretty awesome. To learn more about how I can help you build your dreams through podcasting, video production, or content coaching, head over to theultimatecreative.com or follow me on Instagram at the underscore ultimate creative and let's chat.